This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by Noble Knight, where out of print is available again. And listeners like you, thanks for using the Tome's Amazon and DMs Guild affiliate links and our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash show. Welcome to the Tome Book Club for January of 2019. The Tome is a D&D news reviews and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Tracy Hurley. And I'm your co-host, Jeff Greiner. In each book club episode, we discuss one D&D-related book, spoilers be damned, in full book club style. And our book this time around is Star Wars Aftermath Life Debt by Chuck Wendig. Next month, we will be reading the a, a book from the list in the appendix of the 5th edition Player's Handbook that inspired the, uh, uh, it's the list of books they say inspired the game that you can go to for inspiration. So we thought we would check out one of the books there. It is uh, Throne of the Crescent Moon, and we are going to read that by the end of March of 2019. And joining us for this episode, as always, is Eric Paquette. Hey, Eric! Hello, how are you guys doing? Lovely as always, and uh, I think Tracy is going to be fantastic if she can catch her breath. <laughs> so, <laughs> sounded like you you were struggling there at the end of that intro because uh, of the what, cold or whatever you've got going on. Yeah, uh, both friends had a cold and then they shared it with me. Oh, how dare they! Darn Freds! Never trust a Fred. <laughs> All right, so before we dive into the book, we want to mention our sponsor, uh, Noble Knight. Uh, They are a game store that specializes in finding the out-of-print products, but still carrying the latest and greatest. My pick for this month is Edge of the Empire, uh, the core rulebook by Fantasy Flight Games. It is normally $60, but you can get it from Noble Knight for $50, or... You can get it slightly used but in excellent condition and save another $5 picking it up for $45, uh, which is the beauty of you know using a store that sells used books. Has uh, anybody ever played Edge of the Empire? This is the latest uh, Fantasy Flight incarnation of a Star Wars role-playing game. I know Sam has talked about it extensively on Behind the DM Screen because he's been playing it. I ran a short campaign out of, out of it, trying it out. Uh, it is... A game where for the dice you need specialized dice, which you can get an app for it. Uh, but basically, it's a reading the tea leaves type of those where you, when you roll, when you can get different results based on. It's not just a binary of success or failure, but it can includes uh, disadvantages and advantages that happen that are side related to success or failure. So you can get like four different type combinations. Uh, but yeah, no, it is a fascinating thing. It goes if you know a lot of Star Wars, if you want those, uh, play with their scenarios and all that. It is it is a, a decent system. And my understanding is that there's basically three different core rulebooks depending on what style of game you want. As I as I recall, Edge of of the Empire is sort of the the smuggler bounty hunter sort of um, uh, game. Yeah, Edge of the Empire. Edge of the Empire is a smuggler criminal elements. Uh, Age of Rebellion is you are is during the Civil War during the Rebellion. You are you are members of the rebels, and uh, the other one is it's the, it's the Jedi Fest. one. Yeah, which is the Jedi. All that, that's the Jedi one. So. Yeah, absolutely, very good. 
So if somebody's interested in that, you could go check it out. And I chose it, of course, because we're talking about a Star Wars book this month. So thematically appropriate. If you're inspired by the our talk of the book, then uh, you can go check out this game and, and play your own adventures. Look, here's the thing. Noble Knight has been supporting the Tome Show for a really long time now. They provide a great service. They'll sell you new products, but they specialize in finding old and out-of-print things. If you've got something that you want to buy, if you've got something you want to sell or get store credit for, Noble Knight is a great way to go. We've done a lot of crazy ads over the years to try to get your attention and let you know about Noble Knight. And if you don't know about them by now, you're not paying attention or you're a new listener. Welcome. I was just sitting here lamenting a dilemma dramatically. classic new and shiny and so Old the debate classic. continues since the dawn new of gaming hello hello citizens oh thank goodness adventurers we need a noble knight remember when a Sarak built a tomb in greyhawk noble knight does but just straight up noble knight they provide a great service you need stuff they got stuff old new all of it go check them out let them know the Tome Show sent you. For all your gaming needs, noblenight.com. All right, now on to the book for this month. It is Star Wars Aftermath Life Debt. I don't know how to write that title. <laughs> it is, yeah. it is yeah. very annoying to talk and, and to point out just how how crazy it is to to describe the title you know where do the is, is it star wars colon aftermath colon life debt or that's what or, wikipedia has well so i'm looking at the the audible page for the all the books of the series and they don't seem to have a good consistent way of doing it because book one is listed as aftermath colon star wars book two is star wars colon life debt dash aftermath book two and book three is Empire's End, colon, Aftermath. So they went completely different on every single one because they also couldn't figure it out. <laughs> well, on the Wikipedia, which the Wikipedia, which is the Star Wars official, they list this one as Aftermath, semicolon, Life Death. Uh, the first one is they listed as Aftermath, and the next one is Aftermath, colon, uh, Empire's Den. Right. So. But it's got a big Star Wars right in the middle of it too. <laughs> so wait, it was a Star Wars novel. That's that. That's what I understand. Yeah. <laughs> and then, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say the reason I make that joke is because I think Jeff, you definitely listened it to Audible. I'm yeah. not sure, Eric, if you read no, it or re- listened. I read it. Yeah. So if you are happen to listen to it via Audible, there. There's no way you could not know it's a Star Wars book because they use Star Wars sound effects, including uh, I'm forgetting the name of the the cry, but the famous movie oh, the, the cry. Will, with... The Wilhelm scream. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. No. It's it's. I, I've only listened to a few of the Star Wars audiobooks, and the sound effects and and that kind of stuff has always sort of driven me a little bit crazy i found it more distracting than immersive and then for whatever reason this time it didn't bother me at all like i don't know how much it added to it but i think the difference for me was i finally came to the decision that 
whether this is true or not, I've decided that what they're trying to do is make it listen or read or whatever like an old pulp era radio drama. That's how I felt too. Yeah, when I put myself in that mindset, I'm like, all right, it's kind of it's kind of kitschy because Star Wars is kind of playing off of some of these pulp themes, and yeah, okay, I'm I'm all right now. <laughs> like it didn't bother me this time, so. Yeah, and I listened to it while I was packing, so it it super helped in some ways. There you go. <laughs> my my one and only audio book was was Aftermath previously, and I remember no. all the special effects, and I thought I was sitting I remember asking, "Do all audiobooks have special effects?" And you guys had told me that no, that only Star Wars ones. Yeah, apparently have. Star Wars does that with all other stuff. So yeah, because they have the money for it, and they have. It's part of their branding. I guess. So. I mean, some other brands have some some have the money for it too, but it's definitely part of the the th- like Star Wars has made this a thing, right? So yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm getting used to it. It's it's okay. I'll listen to more. And I guess. Then, and then just one last thing about the audio effects: the Mister Bones, the battle droid, uh-huh. super reminded me of Claptrap from. A little bit, yeah. Now that you say that, from uh, uh, Borderlands. Yeah. Okay. I am not familiar with Borderlands, but very popular first-person shooter uh, series of games. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I have only played about ninety percent of Borderlands Two. I haven't played any other Borderlands games, but <laughs> I know what you're talking about. So yes, uh-huh. I, I can see it. So so we've we've talked about all kinds of stuff so far with uh, life debt here, um, but but we haven't talked about what this book. is is about so tracy what is life debt about uh i don't know it, it's a there's a lot of stuff it's about the events after return of the jedi and be and starting to go towards force awakens if you're following movie the mm-hmm. movie world uh but it starts out with a hunt for general leah organa's husband han solo who is missing he had gone to uh trying to save the Wookiees, in particular Chewbacca, and it was just kind of gone for a while. That's on the, I don't even know what to call them, the rebel side, former rebel alliance The side. New Republic. The yep. New Republic side. And then uh, you have this whole uh, viewpoint from the Empire, mm-hmm. or the remnants of the Empire's forces, and in particular it's like uh, the person who is the kind of the figurehead, the Grand Admiral... Yeah, what's her last name? Ray uh, Sloan. Sloan. Sloan, yeah, yeah. Uh, she is trying to figure out who her advisor really is because it's bothering her. He has a lot of pull and power over her, and, he, yeah. and she's trying to figure out what's going on and, and how he got to be in his uh, position. Well, and it's tricky to even call him an advisor, right? Because like he's clearly the puppet master. He's clearly the the power behind her throne, oh. and and she knows it too. Like she's aware of it, and it bothers her. But what's she gonna do? Right, and that's why she's hoping if she could figure out who he really is. Yeah. Uh, that she'll be able to uh, turn the tables on him. Right. And all so most of the characters that we have in this book are carried over from the previous book, which was just Star Wars Aftermath, um, in that, like, the the sort of team of, you know, ragtag folks that, that get cobbled together through the course of that book end up uh, still, they're still working together for the New Republic, and they are, what, what do they call them, like, Empire Hunters? 
they're basically like uh, New Republic bounty hunters hunting down, um, you know. Um, they're basically imperial figures. Yeah, imperial figures for their war crimes and trying to capture them and all that. So it, it's kind of like uh, late forties, early nineteen fifties uh, Nazi hunters who would run all around the world and try to find Nazis who had gone into hiding. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so so they're that team that from the previous book, and uh, Grand Admiral Sloan was sort of the big uh, powerhouse villain of that first book as well. And so they they clashed a little bit there, and everybody sort of got away and went their separate ways. And now they they have these two concurrent stories happening side by side, mostly unrelated to each other, except that at one point they actually come together because. Um, Grand Admiral Sloan makes an overture towards peace talks with the New Republic. And so she comes to the New Republic capital. Uh, and that happens to be where Nora and her um, her son uh, and her husband, who they found on, on Kashyyyk when they were dealing with the Wookiee situation, um, is there as well. And so they the, their stories sort of meet up and they really briefly, like for one scene – kind of bump into each other uh, in the middle of like uh, both of them in the middle of like a harried escape and an emergency. And then they pass their separate ways again. Except at the end where Nora and Nora and the gang is uh, now going to be hunting down Sloan because they think, because in that climatic scene where during the peace talks, uh, Rax, the advisor had orchestrated to that, Nora's husband and the prisoners from Kashyyyk were mind manipulated to attack during the peace talks. Yeah, and we're kind of telling the story out of order. Yeah, <laughs> we are. <laughs> because we didn't talk about the prisoners from Kashyyyk. So, um, like Tracy said, the the Im- the Imperial hunters or whatever from the, the New Republic went off to find um, Han Solo. Um, and in the process of doing so they found him and then he's like well i understand i need to go back and spend time with my wife because it turns out surprise surprise she's pregnant um and so i need to go back and and be there for her but i lost my best friend chewbacca and we got to go and figure out where he is and and rescue him and so they ended up finding a prison on kashik that they were able to overcome and released all of the prisoners um, and then the prisoners um, went mostly went back to the New Republic homeworld, well, along with Nora and and her son. Was it Temin? Is that his name? Temin, yes. Meanwhile, the rest of the team stayed behind on Kashyyyk with Han Solo and Chewie to free some more of the Wookiees and start a rebellion and free Kashyyyk from uh, basically enslavement uh, from whatever imperial forces are left. Uh, in the, on the planet because the Empire has basically abandoned the forces there and, and don't really support them and do anything for them anymore. But the New Republic has also completely abandoned the the Wookiees there, um, you know. And so it's that's a big uh, thing, right? Is that Han first was urging the New Republic to go and do something about Kashyyyk. Uh, and they're like, well, that's important. You're right, but it's not the time right now. And then Leia was trying to get him to do it because Han had gone off on his own um, and they still wouldn't do it. And so she ended up running off on her own to go help her husband. And it was a whole thing. Like nobody cares about Kashyyyk on either side, but everybody sort of abandoned there. And, and yeah. the Imperial remnants are, are this massive enslaving, you know, oppressive force on the on the planet. 
Yeah, and then uh, one thing to particularly talk about is uh, folks like Nora's husband, Britain, were they weren't just enslaved. They were basically like batteries, weren't they? Yeah, that's right. It was kind of a matrix situation. Um, and they had this uh, mental stuff going on in their head, too, that Nora, I think, was it Nora that was temporarily in, yeah. in it? Uh, and we saw through that character the the sorts of paranoia and stuff like that that just got pumped through their brains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you didn't realize it until later, but then once, yeah, once the peace talks were going on, there was an attack. All the prisoners were being honored during a ceremony or whatever, and they all suddenly pulled guns and started shooting at people, including at Mon Mothma, the, the chancellor of the New Republic. And they, they hit her, but didn't kill her, including Nora's husband. And it was clear at that point that they were brainwashed. Like, they didn't really want to be doing it a lot of times. They couldn't control themselves, but they kept doing it anyway. And then at the end, uh, Kashyyyk is freed, and Sloane escapes uh, on a ship that is being flown by Nora's husband, who also escaped. Uh, although they don't realize the connection yet, because... Sloane knows Nora, doesn't like Nora, but also doesn't know that this is Nora's husband. Um, and they were they're headed. Uh, she's headed off to Jakku because she thinks that there is more information there about this this Rax guy uh, who is the puppet master running everything. And but so are our band of heroes because that's where they think they're going to be able to find Sloane. And then we finished in the epilogue with a scene for, with the Emperor and little kid Rax. Right? <laughs> yeah, uh, the secret archaeological dig on Jakku. <laughs> yeah. Which, w- the, and this is one of the things that's kind of fun and interesting to me. Like, on one hand, um, it's it's fun and interesting to see that when the Empire fell after the Death Star, second Death Star was destroyed and the, and the Emperor and Vader were killed, um, it didn't fall quickly, which is pretty accurate to how empires tend to fall right it's it's falling slowly and it's splintering into factions and sloan and and rack are like one of the factions and they've brought in um this guy with the last name of hux who has a son who we know from the force awakens the son ends up becoming an important figure in uh the, the 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 what the first order First order, yeah yeah and and now they're going to jakku and so i'm all like oh well is there gonna be some uh, are we going to learn some more about Jakku and what's going on there that's going to tie into um, the new movie series as well and, and bring it all together? Um, so I've got all kinds of things that I want to learn, and maybe these books are going to teach me some of it. So <laughs> I, I am unsure if if Rax and Sloan are the same faction. Mm. Because to me, it, it felt like more... Rax is manipulating stuff, and Sloane is being the smart character that she is. She is figuring stuff out, and she wants something else because she does several times stuff that's been done by Rax. Sloane does not approve of it. Yeah, so I'm, I think Rax and Sloane are sort of ostensibly on the same side, right? Same. But I think Rax has more manipulations going on than just Sloane. I think yeah. he's got other factions out there that he. I mean, at one point, um, he he let slip or let known that he's got like a bunch of the star destroyers and things that were just unaccounted for after the fall of the empire. He's like, oh no, I know where they are. I can call on them whenever I want, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so like, and she didn't know that. And she's supposedly the head of the new empire, right? <laughs> so yeah. um, 
So yeah, no, he's definitely pulling strings and manipulating things in a lot of different factions, which actually reminds me a lot of the old emperor, right? That's how the emperor became the emperor. Like he he started a rebellion and by by manipulating both sides into a conflict uh, yeah. and, and using that to gain his own work on his own power um, and create the empire. So um, th- this feels very similar to to the way the the emperor uh, Palpatine used to sort of manipulate things. And I think it, it's kind of important to me, at least to point out that star Wars has always been known to get into politics mm-hmm. because like we talk about maybe Sloan and uh, Rackstar are on the same side where it also becomes clear that uh, like Leia has her own agenda and it doesn't always match up with the new Republic type stuff mm-hmm. either. And she will go and do her own stuff. Yeah, Absolutely. The whole Kashyyyk thing, the fact that the New Republic was not, shows that's one of the more obvious one where the heroes of the the rebellion, Leia and Han, want to help because they have personal attachment to it. But the New Republic, they try to think like more politically speaking and more of the resources. So it plays with between the emotion and the what is sensible resource-wise where to spend type thing. Yeah, and and you're right. I think Leia has this tendency to be a little more passionate, a little more hot-headed. It sort of answers the question of why is it that this woman who who's very bright and very strong and very sort of uh, very much a leader um, is seen as the face of the New Republic, the face of the Rebellion, this great leader of the people, uh, and yet she's never been interested in holding any sort of political power. It's always been Mon Mothma uh, who holds the political power, who's sort of a bit character in the, in the larger movie story, right? Yeah. Um, and so it, it starts to, like, you... You may ask the question, well, why isn't Leia in charge? Well, here's why Leia's in charge. She doesn't care about setting these priorities. She wants to go off and do the heroic thing now because somebody's in, in trouble now, even though there might be consequences for people in other parts of the galaxy. And man, how long was Mon Mothma in charge? Because <laughs> she's still in charge in uh, uh, The Force Awakens, right? Do we see her in The Force Awakens? I thought we did uh, when they were on the the home planet before, you know, it got blown up. Okay. I thought she was in there. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm remembering wrong. But I thought she was there and still running things. But, like, that means she's, like, she's, what, been elected chancellor for decades? (laughs) She must be a really popular leader. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or or maybe I'm misremembering and she's not there. I don't know. (laughs) And I know there's a lot of people who know a lot more about Star Wars than me that are going to, you know, make sure to let me know on Twitter that... um, (laughs) That I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Well, I know she I was. Is... She was oh, a leader ahead. of the rebellion throughout the whole civil war. And right. Basically, once uh, Palpatine got defeated, her positions as leader of the rebellion was dissolved because the rebellion was no longer needed. It was deemed. So that's why it became the New Republic, and she became Chancellor. <laughs> Tracy, you're about to say something. Oh, I say sometimes it is one of the things that makes it, at least for me, harder to discuss these things because I know there's a really rich canon that, I mean, I've read a couple of the books, I've seen all the movies, but I don't have a great memory all the time for very fine details. Uh, so just, you know, we're humans. <laughs> we are 
totally utterly humans, and I'm the same way for Star Wars. Like, okay, cool. It's mostly they're fun movies. The some of the stories are are, are fun. I'm I'm enjoying Chuck Winding's gr- uh, stories. He's working on that. So yeah, he was working on that. He was working on that. Yes, <laughs> and that's so. that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring up politics in terms of Star Wars has always been incredibly political. <laughs> Uh, like it was originally yes. written. Uh, my understanding was it, originally it was about Vietnam War, taking into account stuff that happened, you know, during World War Two and before the the war started, mm-hmm. uh, with the rise of uh, Hitler's Germany. So, like politics has always been in this from the beginning. For its original intent was in part, I think, to explore politics. That's why we see all these things about trade agreements and, like, in the scrolling text, we hear about other movies. We we hear we read all about uh, trade agreements and treaties and everything else. Right. Okay. So just so you know, my quick search on Wikipedia t- uh, seems to indicate that Mon Mothma was probably not in The Force Awakens, and I'm just misremembering. So, oh. don't come at me. I already know. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, so so yeah. So um, I don't know. I I like this book. I, I rather it took me a little bit a little bit of time to get into it. I felt like in the previous book, I felt like Temin was sort of the main character in some ways of the book. Um, and in this book, that was less the case. He was sort of took a back seat to some of the others. Maybe that's just because I really liked Mr. Bones back in the, in the first book. Um, whereas my, I, I think my far and away favorite character in this book is um, the the ex imperial and uh, lo- uh, was it loyalty uh, officer Sinjir? Yeah, Sinjir. Uh, he was he was the sh- the shining star in this book for me. I don't know if you guys had the same experience. He was a fun character to read. Uh, th- this book felt more like two main characters of the story was uh, Nora and Ray Sloan. That's who I felt was the more prominent people. Uh, but yes, Sinjir was fun. Uh, Mr. Bones had some cute scenes from time to time. Right. Yeah, and he, and he's came in to save the day like twice, right? Like he saved the day in the prison and then he saved the day later when Temin got, uh, well, he found out kind of that his dad was plotting before yeah. the the attack yeah. uh, and they they stuffed him in a box and locked him up in there so bones uh found him in uh, both of those cases and, and rescued him and saved the day but otherwise he didn't have a huge role in the story temen also didn't have a huge role in the story so much as uh he was you know hey exciting my dad's back and uh the, but dad's different things are weird and and he kind of goes into his own little depression and he doesn't, uh, you know, all the things that you, he used to be all about, you know, the, the training to be a pilot and doing all these things. Suddenly he had no interest in them anymore because he was dealing with this stuff with his dad and uh, and all of that. Uh, but and, uh, which was an interesting story, um, but it certainly wasn't the A story, right? That yeah. wasn't the, the main plot. Uh, Mr. Bone also caused him a bit some chaos with uh, when he met up with when they... Uh, we met up with Han Solo and he knocked Han Solo up like, yay, we found him. Look, I knocked him out type thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, was, it was like, it was, but yeah, it was not a big thing. It was just like a few little cute scenes here. And yeah, there. B- Bones is clearly the, the comic relief and that's fine. Um, Sinjir has a tendency to, on one hand, he's the comic relief. 
But on the other hand, he's also like he he's almost like the I don't know the the special agent spy character. Like he's got super confidence and he knows he's going to pull it off. He's not quite sure how he's going to pull it off, but he does pull it off. And uh, and he's got these moments of like doubt and darkness, but you know. Um, humanity in him I, I don't know i really like his arc in the whole thing we did have a couple of characters who uh you know the straight and narrow um character who who starts falling in love with the the rough and tumble bounty hunter character mm. um that was fine <laughs> no it was it kind of in my head it, it was the to put this in D D terms it was the lawful good paladin falling in love with the um the chaotic neutral rogue, right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and to talk about that real, just real quick too, I mean, just in terms of the alignments, like you definitely see a lot of different alignments in the mm. book too. That's one way to, to potentially look at um, using it for like a and d game, even though it's science mm-hmm. fiction. Well, and I'll tell you, like there were moments in this book where I kind of forgot about the horrible enslavement and oppression and racism and everything that's involved in the empire. And I looked at Sloane's reasoning behind things. And I'm like, you know what? She's not entirely wrong. Like, is the empire really that bad? And then I remembered, oh, no, yeah, no, enslavement, <laughs> oppression, racism. <laughs> but for a moment there, it's like, yeah, the New Republic is like, it's just a hot mess. And, and, they're all about freedom, 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 and individuality, individuality, and all that. And I'm like, oh, okay, but so are we supposed to believe that that the New Republic is a, a libertarian utopia? Um, because that's a weird place to go politically as well. <laughs> so Yeah, definitely. Yes. There, there are some points from both sides that are pointed out that here are the, some of the good stuff from the Empire and some of the bad stuff from the new republic and vice versa type mm-hmm. thing so oh here i mean the obvious bad stuff from the empire and some of the more subtle bad stuff and some of the some of the very good stuff from the new republic so you actually see the two the, the, the various levels and dust it it's not black and white <laughs> Well, except for when it is. Like, the Empire comes off a lot more sympathetic, except that it's being led by this super manipulative guy who forms a shadow council to secretly run everything. Except that they've enslaved the Wookiees on Kashyyyk for no reason that anybody can tell. Like, at one point, the guy running is like, hey, the Empire should be paying attention to us. I've got more slaves than I can handle. I need them to come and take people away, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. uh, and and then when when he's like, oh, no, I've lost. I'm losing control. I'm going to die, blah, 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 whatever. He puts out the order and has the entire planet bombarded from space by the three uh, uh, ships that were up there. Yeah. Uh, and just, you know, fine. If I'm going to die, then just level the whole planet. Everybody dies. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, the Empire, like, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so... They're lawful evil. The Empire generally is lawful oh, evil, oh. but I don't think Rax is. And I think no, that's, yeah, the yeah. Issue, yeah. that's the issue that Sloane's having, is that Rax is at best neutral evil uh, and willing to totally embrace chaotic, right? Mm. Uh, in order to, to achieve his own, his own power. Uh, yeah. Uh, and Sloane realizes that during the, the assassination attempt during the ceremony when the brainwashed people went crazy and started shooting everybody. Uh, and, and like that bothered Sloane as, as much as anybody else, because she's like, oh, you know, 
I'm supposed to be the leader of the empire. This is not how I want my empire to conduct itself. She has at least this sense of of purpose, of ideology almost, and this kind of sneaky brainwashing attacks is not part of it. Yeah, yeah she's... I would say Ray Sloan is lawful evil with neutral tendencies. Yeah, it's, it's it's hard to call somebody who's part of the empire with, you know, the racism and oppression yeah. uh, uh, anything but evil, <laughs> you yeah. know? I, and I, but I do have to remind myself of that sometimes because she comes off sympathetic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say she's lawful evil. I'd say Rax is neutral evil. Um, maybe because he dips into the chaos, but he also wants, you know, he's part of the empire, which is all about order. Um, most of the, the main characters are good variations of good, lawful or neutral, I would say. Um, there was like even an alignment shift. Oh yeah. With who? Uh, what's her name? I think it's the rogue one. Uh, was it jazz? Yeah. Cause Bye. The bounty hunter? Yeah. 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 She's like, no, this is the right thing to do. I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, she starts to, to... Well, and I think she was always kind of running a little more, um, I don't know, neutral. Um, but she started to move... To, because she's hanging out with all these good people, right? She starts sort of drifting towards towards good tendencies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, you know... You're a neutral person hanging out with a bunch of, of goody two-shoes. That happens. I do have to say that her storyline and the the storyline of the the guy that she's uh, hooking up with and, and starting to develop feelings for and whatever, that was the story that I had the hardest time really latching onto. If only because those are the two characters. It's been a while since we since we read the first book. Those are the two characters that I like had almost no memory of. From the first book, um, I think I started off with a little less memory of, of uh, Sanjir as well, um, but he's such an evocative character; like it clearly came yeah. back to me, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I I I didn't rem- I did not remember of Jom, but I did remember of Jas, the body hunter. So to me, was more familiar with that. And Sanjir, yeah, Sanjir is a very powerful character, even in the first book. Right. That well, and, and he's got such a. He, I mean, he's he's a unique character because he's not he's not the the rakish pilot. He's not a, a warrior or a bounty hunter, right? He's not the kind of character you expect to see running around in a party. Uh, he's the he's the face man, right? He's yeah. the the he's the charisma. He's what the the bard maybe without the music, you know. <laughs> uh, he's the talker. He can read people. He you know because he used yeah. to be a an imperial. Uh, technically, he was a what was a loyalty officer, uh, but but that's sort of known that that means that he was an interrogator and a torturer, right? Uh, but he's not a warrior. He doesn't fly ships and whatever. But he can read people and he can he can talk his way out of situations. Yeah, he he's the Atasian bard from Dark Sun. They also don't they don't have magic either, but they use poison because they're assassins and all that. But they can re- they can read people. They're good with talking with people, stuff like that. A little so, bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can see that, yeah. But yeah, so Jazz and Jom, those are the two that I I have very little recollection of. I think, if I remember right, isn't Jazz the same race as um, um, what's his name from Phantom Menace? With the horns on his head? Um, Darth Maul? Yeah. Isn't she one of the same 
I can never remember again. The Star Wars people are going to yell at me. I can never remember the name of that that alien race, but I, I want to say from the first book, if I remember right, she was one of them. Zabrak, yes, she is. She is a female Zabrak on cool. Hunter. See, I, I didn't, I didn't get it wrong. I just didn't know the yeah. name of the, <laughs> the. Yeah. Good. All right, so we talked a little bit about how this. Um, Plays it, how this might play out for for D and D people in terms of alignments and some of the classes of some of the characters and whatever come out. Uh, any other thoughts about what D and D or or any other thoughts about the the book in general, like uh, that we haven't talked about? Things you want to bring up? This has pretty much two stories, although for purposes of D and D. Like the, the Ray Sloan story would not be something you would actually see really in a in a D and D game. Yeah, because because Sloan's story is is the, the Sloan's story is sort of the story of the NPC villain. Although yeah. you could possibly you could do, do it. it in, yeah, you could do cutscenes happen all that, or even have uh, have. Uh, from time to time, having one shots of where here you are, some you are playing these other characters as these are happening, which is a side track. So if you want to do the play your normal campaign of your heroes, and then from time to time slip in here, you're going to play out some of the bad guys that are doing something, even though there's other bad guys manipulating stuff, and just just advance your campaign in that way. Yeah, her story, her story isn't like super exciting. I, yeah. I mean, in terms of action packed and whatever, it's mostly like the social interactions or whatever. I can almost see yeah. it, it interacts so little directly with the the other story of our of our um, New Republic hunters, right? That I kind of like want to take some inspiration from it and do a story where you know you're playing your normal D&D campaign but every now and then you're short on people and whatever and you just do these little one shots with a set of characters and have them you know uh do like the scene where she was breaking into the the records you know she was using her um her status to be able to get access to these records as she was going to secretly um you know, get more information on racks, and um, you know, there's these little scenes like that that could be fun little one shots that I think you could like lace those in, and then all of a sudden flip the script on the players and be like, okay, well, all of a sudden, as we reach you know the last the last uh, act of the the campaign, haha! You remember those one shot characters you were playing? It turns out they're the NPC villains this whole time that you didn't know about, and this is you know, and the things they were doing were actually helping build the 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 plot and the and the you know the tension for the the main characters. I could see something like that kind of oh, working. Yeah. I, that could be fun. And some of the four E DMGs, the later one, Dungeon Master Guides, the later ones. I think they even talked about doing vignettes and stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. And it might be a way to play through some of it, and instead of doing like a rumor table, they actually can learn the rumors metagaming yeah. wise. But yeah. then just say hand wave it and say you would have learned these through your interacting with tavern folk or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a Star Wars actual play ca- podcast 
called a campaign pass. That it's that uh, the Star Wars portion is now done, but it's by the one channel network, and they actually have uh, their regular adventures, and also they ha- do have the evil version where it's it's they have two different groups playing, but basically both of them intermix story wise from a from a perspective, and it uses the edge of the empire system. So. So if you guys want to see from a role-playing perspective how to do that, how it works, you can you can listen to it. it it's it's hilarious. It's best described as a tree man and a baby set in Star Wars. <laughs> okay. So yeah, so I think there was a lot going on here. Anybody else think that there's a chance that that Rax ends up being Snoke? I don't think that Rax is Snoke. I think Rax maybe works for Snoke because he seems he seems to be having someone above him too. Okay, um, that's my sort of my sort of impression. Hmm. There may be. Yeah, I yeah. mean, being being from Jakku, which ties into later stuff where uh, with Force Awakens, and uh, uh, you know, he's described as being sort of this this. Uh, older pale guy um you know which isn't entirely out of uh, and, and he's got the he's got the manipulations down one of the things that we did, you know we talked about how he's manipulating all these different factions of the the splinters of the empire um but it turns out he's also been manipulating the new republic the entire time too because he's been this informant this uh Im- imperial informant um, just known as the operator who's been, you know, leaking information to the New Republic to get them to, you know, take out certain targets. But of course, all of those targets happen to be people that, that he wanted to get out of the way so he could, you know, increase his own power in the exact way, by the way, that that uh, Palpatine did. Like, that's exactly the kind of thing that Palpatine did is play both sides against each other in order to eliminate his enemies. All right. Any other last thoughts? then I think we could wrap it up, huh? Yep. Yep. All right. That's the end of this episode then. So it is time to say goodbye. We want to thank uh, our sponsor, Noble Knight. We also want to thank all of our patrons from patreon.com slash the Tome Show who support us directly there. And those of you who shop at the Amazon and DMs Guild using our affiliate links by going to thetomeshow.com and clicking to Amazon or DMs Guild from there. Uh, and then we get a little percentage and you get the exact same experience and it helps out the show. And that's what I s- send out and spread out to all the other people who help work on the show. That's all. Uh, all the Amazon money goes to them. DMs Guild money goes to getting products that we review. But. And if you'd like to contact us, you can send us an email at thetomeshow at gmail.com. You can call our biz line. It's 919-BIZ-TOME, 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. You can find me at Magic on Twitter and saradarkmagic.com. You can find Jeff at Squatch, at S-Q-U-A-C-H, and at The Tome Show on Twitter. And you can find Eric at Eric M. Pack, E-R-I-C-M-P-A-Q, on Twitter as well. <laughs> show notes and other great shows are at thetomeshow.com. All right, well, that is our thoughts on Star Wars Aftermath Life Debt. <laughs> Next up, at the end of March, we're going to be reading... Throne of the Crescent Moon by Saladin Ahmed. Until then, keep turning the page, Tomites.
了哇！